The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 1 by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 1 by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section 6. Second Book Part One All that has been hitherto recorded indicates that happy and easy condition in which nations exist during a long peace. But nowhere probably is such a beautiful time enjoyed in greater comfort than in cities living under their own laws and large enough to include a considerable number of citizens and so situated as to enrich them by trade and commerce strangers find it to their advantage to come and go and are under a necessity of bringing profit in order to acquire profit even if such cities rule but a small territory they are the better qualified to advance their internal prosperity, as their external relations expose them to no costly undertakings or alliances. Thus the Frankfurters passed a series of prosperous years during my childhood, but scarcely on the 28th of August, 1756, had I completed my seventh year than that world-renowned war broke out which was also to exert great influence upon the next seven years of my life frederick the second king of prussia had fallen upon saxony with sixty thousand men and instead of announcing his invasion by a declaration of war he followed it up with a manifesto composed by himself as it was said which explained the causes that had moved and justified him in so monstrous a step the world which saw itself appealed to not merely as a spectator but as judge immediately split into two parties and our family was an image of the great whole my grandfather, who as Chef of Frankfurt had carried the coronation canopy over Francis I and had received from the Empress a heavy gold chain with her likeness, took the Austrian side along with some of his sons-in-law and daughters. My father, having been nominated to the Imperial Council by Charles the Seventh and sympathising sincerely in the fate of that unhappy monarch, leaned towards Prussia with the other and smaller half of the family. Our meetings, which had been held on Sundays for many years uninterruptedly, were very soon disturbed. The misunderstandings, so common among persons related by marriage, found only now a form in which they could be expressed contention discord silence and separation ensued 
my grandfather generally a cheerful quiet man and fond of ease became impatient the women vainly endeavoured to smother the flames and after some unpleasant scenes my father was the first to quit the society at home we now rejoiced undisturbed at the prussian victories which were commonly announced with great glee by our vivacious aunt every other interest had to give way to this and we passed the rest of the year in perpetual agitation the occupation of dresden the moderation of the king at the outset his slow but secure advances the victory at Lovesitz, the capture of the saxons were so many triumphs for our party everything that could be alleged for the advantage of our opponents was denied or depreciated and as the members of the family on the other side did the same they could not meet in the streets without disputes arising as in romeo and juliet thus i also was then a prussian in my views or to speak more correctly a fritzian since what cared we for prussia it was the personal character of the great king that worked upon all hearts i rejoiced with my father in our conquests readily copied the songs of triumph and almost more willingly the lampoons directed against the other party poor as the rhymes might be being their eldest grandson and godchild i had dined every sunday since my infancy with my grandfather and grandmother and the hours so spent had been the most delightful of the whole week but now i relished not a morsel because i was compelled to hear the most horrible slanders of my hero here blew another wind here sounded another tone than at home my liking and even my respect for my grandfather and grandmother fell off i could mention nothing of this to my parents but avoided the matter both on account of my own feelings and because i had been warned by my mother in this way i was thrown back upon myself and as in my sixth year after the earthquake at lisbon the goodness of god had become to me in some measure suspicious so i began now on account of frederick the second to doubt the justice of the public my heart was naturally inclined to reverence and it required a great shock to stagger my faith in anything that was venerable but alas they had commended good manners and becoming deportment to us not for their own sake but for the sake of the people what will people say was always the cry and i thought that the people must be right good people and would know how to judge of anything and everything my experience went just to the contrary the greatest and most signal services were defamed and attacked the noblest deeds if not denied 
were at least misrepresented and diminished and this base injustice was done to the only man who was manifestly elevated above all his contemporaries and who daily proved what he was able to do and that not by the populace but by distinguished men as i took my grandfather and uncles to be that parties existed and that he himself belonged to a party had never entered into the conceptions of the boy he therefore believed himself all the more right and dared to hold his own opinion for the better one since he and those of like mind appreciated the beauty and other good qualities of maria theresa and even did not grudge the emperor francis his love of jewellery and money that count down was often called an old dozer they thought justifiable but now that i look more closely into the matter i here trace the germ of that disregard and even disdain of the public which clung to me for a whole period of my life and only in later days was brought within bounds by insight and cultivation suffice it to say that the perception of the injustice of parties had even then a very unpleasant nay injurious effect upon the boy as it accustomed him to separate himself from beloved and highly valued persons the quick succession of battles and events left the parties neither quiet nor rest we ever found a malicious delight in reviving and resharpening those imaginary evils and capricious disputes and thus we continued to tease each other until the occupation of frankfort by the french some years afterwards brought real inconvenience into our homes although to most of us the important events occurring in distant parts seemed only for topics of hot controversy there were others who perceived the seriousness of the times and feared that the sympathy of france might open a scene of war in our own vicinity they kept us children at home more than before and strove in many ways to occupy and amuse us with this view the puppet show bequeathed by our grandmother was again brought forth and arranged in such a way that the spectators sat in my gable room while the persons managing and performing as well as the theatre itself as far as the proscenium found a place in the room adjoining we were allowed as a special favour to invite first one and then another of the neighbours children as spectators and thus at the outset i gained many friends but the restlessness inherent in children did not suffer them to remain long a patient audience they interrupted the play and we were compelled to seek a younger public which could at any rate be kept in order by the nurses and maids the original drama to which the puppets had been specially adapted we had learned by heart and in the beginning this was exclusively performed soon growing weary of it however we changed the dresses and decorations 
and attempted various other pieces which were indeed on too grand a scale for so narrow a stage although this presumption spoiled and finally quite destroyed what we performed such childish pleasures and employments nevertheless exercised and advanced in many ways my power of invention and representation my fancy and a certain technical skill to a degree which in any other way could not perhaps have been secured in so short a time in so confined a space and at so little expense i had early learned to use compasses and ruler because all the instructions they gave me in geometry were forthwith put into practice and i occupied myself greatly with pasteboard work i did not stop at geometrical figures little boxes and such things but invented pretty pleasure-houses adorned with pilasters steps and flat roofs however but little of this was completed far more persevering was i on the other hand in arranging with the help of our domestic a tailor by trade an armoury for the service of our plays and tragedies which we ourselves performed with delight when we had outgrown the puppets my playfellows too prepared for themselves such armories which they considered to be quite as fine and good as mine but i had made provision not for the wants of one person only and could furnish several of the little band with every requisite and thus made myself more and more indispensable to our little circle that such games tended to factions quarrels and blows and commonly came to a sad end in tumult and vexation may easily be supposed in such cases certain of my companions generally took part with me while others sided against me though many changes of party occurred one single boy whom i will call pylades urged by the others once only left my party but could scarcely for a moment maintain his hostile position we were reconciled amid many tears and for a long time afterwards kept faithfully together to him as well as other well-wishers i could render myself very agreeable by telling tales which they most delighted to hear when i was the hero of my own story it greatly rejoiced them to know that such wonderful things could befall one of their own playfellows nor was it any harm that they did not understand how i could find time and space for such adventures and they must have been pretty well aware of all my comings and goings and how i was occupied the entire day not the less necessary was it for me to select the localities of these occurrences if not in another world at least in another spot and yet all was told as having taken place only to-day or yesterday they therefore had to form for themselves greater illusions than i could have palmed off upon them if i had not gradually learned in accordance with the instincts of my nature to work up these visions and conceits into artistic forms 
such vain glorious beginnings could not have gone on without producing evil consequences for myself in the end considering this impulse more closely we may see in it that presumption with which the poet authoritatively utters the greatest improbabilities and requires every one to recognize as real whatever may in any way seem to him the inventor as true but what is here told only in general terms and by way of reflection will perhaps become more apparent and interesting by means of an example i subjoin therefore one of these tales which as i often had to repeat it to my comrades still hovers entire in my imagination and memory End of section six.